Well, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Um, if you're not a part of the U.S. or does does Canada celebrate Thanksgiving? They do, but not American Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving was like two months ago. Oh, okay. Never yeah. mind. Well, I hope thing. everybody had a great Thanksgiving whenever you celebrated it. Or if you celebrate it, maybe you don't. I don't know. But happy <laughs> Thanksgiving anyway. Uh, I know us here in America, we stuffed our faces with turkey and... Freedom. Fre- <laughs> 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 oh, that's perfect. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! Nope. No, no, no. No superheroes here. Just Jay and John. Welcome to the nerdiest podcast you'll ever hear. They didn't ask us. Well, welcome to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. I am Jay, and with me here is my co-host, Chance 8-Ball. Ask again later. nailed it that is exactly what i wanted you to say you just fizz bumped so hard (laughs) you're like you're like red shirt tiger woods you just drained that putt yes by the way speaking of tiger woods i have been watching ducktales the new ducktales on uh disney plus well I, i think it was originally on disney xd but whatever the episode that I just watched, they go and golf in Scotland. Glumgold, who's, if you don't know, is like the rival duck to Scrooge McDuck. And so he comes up and he's like, oh yeah, I've been practicing because I've had a teacher. And then out walks this tiger in a red polo. And of course, they don't say Tiger Woods. They don't even say tiger. But if you're a golfer, you know or know anything about golf, for that matter, you know exactly what they're referring to, and it was hilarious. That was actually a really good episode. Because I'm not a golfer, but obviously I'm familiar with the concept of red shirt tiger. I thought it was so funny. I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's Tiger Woods. But anyway, there's it, it's been a pretty good show. You ought to check it out if you if you haven't. It's, it's fun to have on in the background, and then plus, like, the kids love it too. So, anywho... We've got a lot to cover today, so we probably should just go ahead and jump right into it. What do you think? I'm good with that, or we could do another uh, They Didn't Ask Us hypothetical. I have a hypothetical. Oh, go for it. Okay. Well, okay, it's not really a hypothetical, though. It's just like a question. Okay. Like a a, a question we could kind of debate for a second. All right, so there's a lot of rumor going around about what the next star wars movies are going to be the next trilogy and my question is do you think that the next star wars movies should be legends movies meaning taking some of the legends books and maybe even titling the star wars movie so that people know this is not what actually happened in the Star Wars timeline, but this is a what-if, if you will, of what could have happened in the Star Wars timeline. I'm fine with them being made. I don't think they should be cinematic releases. I think it should be a Disney Plus series with a ser- with a series of one-offs called like Star Wars Legends, and each episode is independent of 
the rest of them. So they could be those, like, BBC Sherlock-style episodes when they're an hour and a half, and there's a lot of story you can tell in an hour and a half. That's true. But in terms of large-scale cinematic release, I would still want it to be something not necessarily canonical, but, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm holding out for Revan. Like, I want cinematic KOTOR so bad. Well, I definitely think that's the direction they're going, for sure. But I thought, what? how cool would it be if they could do, like, a Legends? Because then you could do, for example, you could do the Star Wars trilogy that they never made. Because in the original uh, sequel trilogy to the original Star Wars movies, there was a lot of different stuff that was supposed to happen. And there's a, f- a lot of fans that were pretty upset that they didn't go that route. So my thought is, what if they went ahead and did that for those fans, but then just, you know, be sure to label it as, hey, this is a, this is not canon. This is just a what if. As much as I would want that to happen, and I do think, like, given uh, outside of the Mandalorian, the Star Wars media we've received recently, um, I think it would probably be really good if they did that. Um, I don't think it has a chance that it happens, because that would basically be, you know, Disney creative admitting they were wrong. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Because even if they say, this isn't what happened, this this is a what if... It's a victory for the fans in that sense. And, I mean, if, if these movies have taught us anything, it's that Star Wars fans love the movie, hate the movie, they'll see the movie. So, I don't think Disney really has any challenge or any threat to their, you know, investment on Star Wars. Good point. I'm also a cynic, so as much as I would love it to happen, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> wah, wah. Yep, that's me. I'm Rachel Dratch, Debbie Downer. We're up to two SNL references in this episode. What up with that? Three SNL references. All right, now you're just trying. I, I was. It's true. What up with that? What up with that? Somewhere Sudeikis is just dancing in a tracksuit and he doesn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, news. Let's go ahead and jump into that. Uh, very short news list this week, but Black Panther 2 to begin production in July of 2021. So that's good news. I mean, it, it, it is, but I mean, we all we all know that Chadwick Boseman has very, very sadly um, passed away. So my anxiety with this movie is uh, is creeping up. the The emotional start of this movie is going to rival up because you know they're going to have to talk about it, and they're going to yeah. have to get it out of the way quick. Yep, they sure will. So, like, I don't know that I like this. Does it have a scheduled release yet? No, it just says beginning production, July okay, of next year. I can already tell you, I am not emotionally prepared for this movie. Even if it comes out in, like, 2023, not ready. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say 2023, because they probably got a lot of work to do. Deadpool 3 has found new writers, and Ryan Reynolds has signed on for the third movie. The, man, uh, Molly No Sisters, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, The writers of Bob's Burgers. Oh, huh. Yeah, which... I don't know if you've ever watched Bob's Burgers, but it's actually pretty funny. So one, it's dry friend, humor. Yeah. One of my friends from college really, really enjoyed Bob's Burgers. So like I would watch it 
a little bit around the house when he was in the living room. But short of the burgers, it's just kind of not my thing. I mean, it was one of those shows that if it was on, I would watch it. And I usually enjoyed it, but it wasn't like I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for the next episode. Like, it's just a fun thing to have on in the background. Kind of like Friends or Seinfeld. Ah, yes, those 90s shows that everyone says I should enjoy, but I'm not going to watch. We just have it on in the background. Yeah, that's fair. We are all loving Mandalorian right now. And Mm -hmm. a Mandalorian Mm -hmm. spinoff is rumored to be in the works. So is nothing sacred. This should like, how would you even spin off this show? It's so independent of everything else. It's what I loved about season one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, like I'm fine. I want a Boba Fett show, but I want like a, like a Boba Fett in his prime show because in empire, he's just this mythic character that, you know, that's never really explained. So like, I want to see how he gets from scared child in attack of the clones, legendary bounty hunter that steps up to like that mouths off to Darth Vader. Yeah. See, that's what I would like to see. Not the, um, I, I wonder if people are wondering, okay, so if he's going to be back, maybe it's going to be like a continuation of his story or maybe how he survived the Sarlacc pit. No, I think exactly what you said. If they're going to do it, they need to do a series where it shows like shortly after he loses his dad. I think his... I think the term biological father would be accurate. His father clone. But anyway, so after he the only loses other... him, then him the only going other ways forward. I could talk about that would be really weird. So I think it's. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not. I mean, what do you say? Uh, so, yeah, but following that. And then going up to when we meet him in Empire. that I think that would be a much more interesting story. So I hope that's the direction they are going, if that's what they do. And then to finish off the news, I told you it was short. Wonder Woman 1984 coming to theaters in December and also being released on HBO. Max. Uh, he's not here. Sorry. He's not? Oh, sorry. I thought I saw him in the background. It must be the, the third Goofy movie. It is, but it is. It's HBO Max, right? Or is that technically the no, same? No, it as is. HBO? It's HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. With two X's, yeah. I think. Better than three. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is HBO, so. Exactly. <laughs> so that is the news for the week. Next up on the list is Mandalorian. We had another episode drop, actually. By the time this comes out, assuming that they are going to be releasing an episode the Friday after Thanksgiving, there should be another episode before this before this episode comes out. But we're recording ahead of time, so there's just going to be one today. By the time, yeah, by the time we're recording, there's only the f- it's the fourth episode of the season, right? Yes, chapter it will be chapter thirteen, but episode four for season two. But chapter 12, The Siege, is what we'll be talking about today. And oh my gosh, how crazy was this episode? It was, I loved it. I was, I don't know. It's not as good as episode three for me, but clear of the other two. No, you're right. This was episode four. Yeah. The next episode will be episode five, because I completely forgot about this stupid episode where they landed on the ice planet. the ice planet with all the spiders. Yeah. Like I almost Far didn't consider that an episode. episode. <laughs> Golly. 
That's was, why I didn't uh, remember. Yeah, it's because you wanted to forget. I apologize for bringing that up. <laughs> Scarred me. Yeah. Almost as bad as that ship. Uh, I don't know. I think you have a maintained hull integrity, if you will. Thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. I do mean that as a compliment. It means you don't have a gaping flesh wound. <laughs> At least not that I can tell. I mean, it's, you could be missing a leg. I don't know. That'd be very I Star Wars. I could. It, no, both legs are here. Mando and Baby Yoda are flying their way to wherever uh, Bo-Katan was like, hey, this is where you should go. And he gets there, and he realizes he can't make it. The ship is, is better, but it's still not great. So he goes back to... Um, the original planet that I forgot the name of, um, but it's where Grief Karga and Cara Dune are, the the two characters from season one. They have cleaned up the city. It's not, I mean, obviously it's not perfect. It's still kind of wild westy out there, but she's the marshal and he's the clerk, mayor, de facto mayor. I imagine there wasn't an election. Um, sorry to say the E word in the podcast. I know that's pretty touchy. Uh, but they, there's still this Imperial base a little bit on the other side of the planet. So while Mando's getting his ship repaired, they're like, hey, uh, while you're here, we've got this thing we could for sure use your help with. And they think it's basically like a skeleton crew. Nothing's really happening at this base. And they sabotage it. And while they're trying to escape, they discover it's a research facility. And it's somewhat important. I don't think they really understand how important, but it's pretty it's it's pretty up there. What is it? Moff Gideon. That's his name. They thought he was dead. They learn he's alive. So they're less than thrilled. They they escape. There's a speeder chase and then the speeders all all get destroyed and there's a tie fighter chase and it's looking real bad for our heroes until Mando, who had flown on ahead, uh flies back in his ship which was repaired very quickly. Uh, they said it would take a hot second, and it did not. And he blows the TIE Fighters out of the sky. And then from there, he just pieces out. But we discover one of the uh, repair people, r- repair men, repair aliens, I don't know. Repair uh, person? Yes. One of the one of the beings who repaired his ship uh, is a spy for Moff Gideon, and he put a tracker on the Razor Crest. <gasps> And then it just kind of like it's ominous for about a minute and then it cuts to credits. So it's like, uh oh, yeah, like, he better find Ahsoka soon because they're going to find him. I would say in the better third of episodes of the series so far to me. Yes, definitely. So let's talk about some stuff that we just happy to see so let's talk about the good stuff and then we'll talk about the bad stuff so good things for me anyway um i loved that the gang was back together that was exciting even though it was brief it was still fun to see everybody together uh on top of that the um mithral i think was his name the blue guy that he catches in the very very first episode is out of his carbonite imprisonment and is out walking around and is working for the town so that was that was pretty funny to see him again um for those of you who are wondering what did they do with the child uh during this siege uh they dropped him off at a school he was hanging around some other kids uh and this was one of my favorite things in the episode 
the child like looks at the kid next to him and asks for a cookie and the the other kid's like nah so <laughs> so so the child the baby Yoda waits for the other kid to turn the other way and uses the force to steal his lunch <laughs> and he, the kid just great. looks down and he looks at baby Yoda and he looks down again and he's just like dang it but it was cool to see that the city was coming together and that um actually a school i guess you don't think about that kind of stuff too in the star wars universe you don't think oh yeah there's schools and stuff so it was kind of fun to see that yeah especially not on the not on the outer rim with the more like quote-unquote civilized planets you might expect it more but i think that's kind of the the stability that they're looking to bring to that area and just kind of normalize these things that are normal other places but it was a classic quest episode where you know mando's like hey i need this thing and they're like okay you need this thing well we have this task that we need help with so if you want this thing you're gonna help us and you're like "Ah, okay accept quest and then you go ahead and finish this thing and what it was was there was this plant that was being used for something and they're like man this this big so something's happening but we want the empire out of here and um so they go in and one of the things one of the big reveals in this episode first off they talk about midi chlorians no they don't yes they, they do. don't say they don't say the m word they don't say it but they oh, said they reference them though they, they referenced them. So we find out this is what was so cool. So we find so if you remember think back to one of the first I think it's the second or third episode Mando gave the child back over to the empire. There was a guy in a suit. And if you look there's a symbol on his shoulder and it's a cloner's symbol. And he takes the child into the back room. Well it turns out that while he was back there he did something. He took some of the child's blood and they took the blood and it had a high midichlorian count. They called it a M count instead of using the actual word. Yeah, because people hate the M word. Star Wars fans hate midichlorians. Yes. Yes, we do. But it was a callback to the original, or not the original, the prequel trilogy. Definitely (laughs) not the original. Yeah, do you remember that time Chewbacca was talking to C-3PO about midichlorians? Yeah, that's what they were talking about. That's what <laughs> Chewie has been screaming every second of the original trilogy. Is he's just going? Man, could you imagine if? Could you imagine if Chewbacca had subtitles? That'd well, be the you know, funniest thing. You know, it's funny. You can watch uh, the outtakes of the original trilogy. Um, I forgot the guy who plays Chewie. Oh, if you hadn't said that, I would have known. Oh my gosh, his name has left me. Peter or something. Yes, Peter. If only we had devices that we could look this up on. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the you can hear him. So Chewie, actually, the actor set talk speaks his lines oh. so that Han can actually respond and the knows what he's saying. Dead. But then they go back over in post production and add the growl. That's that's reminiscent to me of what uh, James Gunn and Vin Diesel did with Groot. Uh, uh-huh. I heard about this recently. There is a special Groot edition of the script that only James Gunn and Vin Diesel will ever see, and it has the Groot lines. But like you're saying, 
with what they're supposed to say. Right. So he can put the right inflection and the right meaning into each line. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So so then you're like, okay, so they're they're using the blood. All right. What were they just testing it? No. There are vats, these giant containers of clones. We don't know who they are or what they are, but they're trying to inject the blood that has the high midichlorian count into these clones to create force sensitive creatures. And oh my gosh, what could that mean? It could mean lots of things. It could mean that this is the beginnings of them trying to create Snoke. It could be that they're just trying to make force sensitive clones. This also opens up the door. Could they be introducing Starkiller later from the Force Unleashed? How awesome would that be? I mean, there's so many possibilities, and I am super pumped. I think it'd be really interesting. You referenced them bringing in Starkiller. The The game is set before A New Hope. I guess games, plural, aren't they? Yeah. So that would really that would really mess with the timeline of that, but that hasn't stopped anybody from doing anything yet. Well, those games aren't canon anymore anyway, so... I know. <laughs> I want them to be... Yeah, but if they bring in that character, it would just be so cool. And then I'm like, are they going to also bring in uh, Cal from the new Star Wars game? From Fallen Order. Yeah. I feel like Cal is a little too early to tie into things like that. So you would want a character with an established fan base with people who like are still clamoring for him to be in more things. So with Fallen Order being so fresh... He's still, like, on a lot of fan consciousness in that sense. So you'd want to try to bring back, like, especially if they were going to remaster Force Unleashed and Force Unleashed 2. They would remaster, like, they would have him in an episode and then announce the remaster. But, I mean, I, again, as cool as that would be, I don't find that very likely. Well, then we end the episode with, uh, like John had said earlier, it kind of, we see Moff Gideon and... It's very ominous and dark, but it's very clear that there's these black, they almost look like Darth Vader's in a way, but they're robots, I believe. And they, to me, they, they, they look like, like the dark troopers from Rebels. The Oh yeah, they look like the, the death troopers from Rogue One is what I saw. Oh yeah. But also like robots. Right. Like robot, robot death troopers. So it's like something's gonna hit the fan. And I hope it hits the fan once he gets to Ahsoka, because I want to see, hope. I want to see her ball out on some on some robots. Me too. I would love to see that in live action. But yeah, so that's uh, so yeah, we didn't get any Ahsoka this episode, which we kind of called that last time. We were like, yeah, there's no way they're gonna go ahead and introduce that. Yeah, they gotta they gotta introduce it and then leave you wanting more. So they'll in probably. That, in that... I don't even think next episode, because with the Tatooine episode, there was that scarred clone that we all kind of think is Boba Fett. No mention of Tatooine since that episode. Right. So, either he does get to Ahsoka, or he ends up back on Tatooine. Those are my two thoughts as to what happens next. 
But yeah, you got anything else to say about this one? I mentioned earlier that I don't think it's as good as the episode with Bo-Katan, and I stand by that. I'm honestly, I'm not even sure it's better than the episode on Tatooine, than the the Marshall. So it's like I do think it's really good, but because the standard of this season is so high now, I think the only episode I can easily confidently say it's better than is episode two. It's in the like it and it and the and the Marshall are really close together, but th- the Bo-Katan episode still stands apart to me. I can see that. So should we rate it? Also, uh, I was just also going to throw in it was directed by Carl Weathers, who plays Grief Cargo. Oh, that's cool. So I didn't know that. I always since they've since they've had more recognizable names than not. I've started paying attention to it, and it's also the first credit in the credits. So it's just always a fun, like, oh, who directed this episode? And then it tells you. It's like, okay, that's cool. But yeah, I'm I'm down to rate it and just 1 to 10. I'm going to say 7. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to give yeah. it a 7. Because it's like, it's good, but it's not, like, good, good. Yeah, it's not really... I wouldn't say it's original. It kind of felt like a continuation of our maybe last season, whereas everything else felt new and exciting. It's probably just because it was the same old planet that they were on so much last season. But my guess is is that that planet will continue to be a a central part of this series, I would think. Probably become like their base of operation or the empire decides to strike back at the people who blew up their base so mando has to swoop back in only rescue those people and that planet's destroyed you think they'll be able to destroy the planet yeah um because i mean moff gideon's ship is not a normal star destroyer no it's not yeah that's another thing we got to see is uh star destroyer it kind of looks like one of the the cruisers from rebels one of the smaller ones yeah. But I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it. Me too. Well, very good. Well, now time for the main event, reviewing Blackest Night, a series of comics that came out between 2009 and 2010, written by Jeff Johns, and it is a DC comic focused on green lantern but pretty much involves everybody but it was a major event that kind of um i wouldn't say reset the universe but brought some characters that had been gone or thought they were gone but this story is so like there's just so much that goes into this story how do we how do we summarize this one i think it's important first to start off with the with the warning this is a very dark story. It is a very dark story. In a lot of ways. I had I had referenced previously talking about the Jeff Johns Green Lantern run that Jeff Johns created all of the spectrum of power rings. And those are really the the key of the Blackest Night plot with the 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 Blackest Night being brought up it's it's deemed a color war. I guess war of the emotions or whatever the the guardians call it emotional and spectrum yeah the the debut in this is the uh the black lantern which is not based on an emotion the black lantern is powered by death the absence of life which uh that's or the absence of light it could i mean it could be both i don't even this is so massive and intricate i don't even think we can summarize it I really, you know, you know what? I'm going to give it my best shot. 
Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so the Green Lantern that's focused on in this story is Hal Jordan. That's important. Uh, there's okay. like so many. The, the other thing about this story is there's so many parts to it as well. It's hard to start describing one without realizing, oh, wait, no, I have to give that background. Oh, wait, no, I can't explain that without explaining this. Right. And yeah, it's it's a definite. Oh, it's I really enjoy it. I think it's really good, but I cannot in good conscience recommend it to everybody. See, I'm going to I'm going to challenge that and I am going to recommend it for everybody. I think, no, I think I think it's the, a very important piece in DC literature. Okay. And I think that it it is something that everybody needs to read just because of the amount of from this story so many other stories are then birthed from this or some stories are actually ended. So that was one of the cool things about this event is some of the stories were ended, you know, came to a conclusion, whereas other stories were started from this. So one of the things that was answered, for example, and see, um, yeah, we're, (laughs) we're spoiler, we're, we're spoiler heavy in this, uh, especially in this. So just, if you haven't read it, I recommend going and reading it. It's actually not very expensive. I looked on Amazon. I think it was only like 12 bucks, something like that. Um, so I highly recommend going ahead and buying it. I bought the digital edition like maybe five years ago. Have not regretted it at all. I've read it a few times, actually. What was I saying? Oh, one of the things that was answered in this was right before this, there had been a really big event that involved Darkseid and Batman was killed in that event. So for a a while, lots of people thought that Batman was actually dead, but this story answered the question that no, Batman isn't dead. The Batman that died was actually a clone. Very the prestige of him. Yeah. Spoil of that movie too. (laughs) That's a movie we could review on here. Oh, it's such a good movie. I haven't seen it in so long. (laughs) Yeah. So like, that's one of the things, um, and like John had said, the precursor to all of this was, you know, there is the color war. So all the colors were being explored during this time and uh, and what their emotions were. So that was really cool, too. I think what we what we can do is go ahead and spell out which emotion went with which core. OK, so green, the green lanterns are willpower. Yellow is the Sinestro core. It's fear. Um, blue is the blue lanterns. It's hope. Red is the red lanterns, and they are rage. I count. I counted three. I've done four. Um, indigo is compassion. They're just called the indigo tribe. Um, orange is avarice, which is a fancy word for greed. And there's really just the one guy. Um, because he's greedy and he doesn't want to share. And Star Sapphire, is that the last one? Yep. Is, I think, pink. Kind of like magenta-esque. And Star Sapphire emotion is love. So, um, throughout the, the creation of those cores in Green Lantern, they encounter Hal, um, at various points. And what Blackest Night did that I thought was so cool is they gave 
mainstream or mainline DC, not even all heroes, just DC personalities, each core got a new Earth-based recruit for the Blackest Night event. And I think those are really cool. Jay, do you remember off the top of your head who went where? Yes. So the Flash was recruited as a Blue Lantern. Which is Hope, by the way. I don't know if I said that's what Blue was. It is. Yeah, you said it. Okay. Okay. Wonder Woman was chosen as the Star Sapphire. Orange was Lex Luthor. Yellow was Scarecrow. Red Lantern was Mira. That's right. Aquaman's wife. Um, Ray Palmer was chosen as the Indigo. And there wasn't another Green Lantern because he's already based from Earth. (laughs) Well, the Green Lantern ended up being one of the Guardians, wasn't it? That I don't remember. I don't know that I've... Like, I know Ganthet wears a ring. I just thought he wore blue. I can't remember. I think you're right. I think it may have just been Hal. Because there's... I mean, there's already the four Earth-based Lanterns, so it's not like... Yeah, it's not like he really needed another, needed one. another one. Yeah. <laughs> we got plenty to go around. In fact, at this point, two of them aren't even living on Earth anymore. Like at this point currently or at this point during Blackest Night? During Blackest Night. Okay. Yeah, two of um Was that uh, Kyle and John? Yeah, Kyle and John. No. Kyle and Guy? Yes. Huh. At this point they're not even living on Earth. They're living on um I can't even remember what the planet is called, but it's is it a Oa. Yes, Oa is the the Green Lantern base world because it's not the home world; it's just the homeland of the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, I suppose. But yeah, that's where they've been hanging out during this time. But yeah, so in all that all that being said, this mild um, plot explanation kind of out of the way. One of the things that Jay and I did a couple of uh, last year. And I wanted to try to get back to is the dream cast. So cast. We we picked this book, which is uh, quite ambitious given that it involves everybody. So many characters. Uh, <laughs> Good gracious. I mean, at this point, even even the Black Lanterns, like even some of the villains that have passed away, because for whatever reason, the Justice League decides to keep the bodies of their dead villains in the basement of the Justice League The Hall of Justice, yeah. And you're like, what? So the Black Lantern... Was that Barry... Who yeah. is Barry? Before this story, Barry had just recently come back, not from death, but he had been like absorbed by the Speed Force, which is a weird way the Flash is dead but not dead. Um, so Hal is kind of getting him up to speed, <laughs> and that's one of the things he's. Thank you. Uh, he's like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me this exists? And Hal's just kind of like, yeah, we. This was the best idea we had. It's not a good idea. <laughs> So one of the one of the powers of the Black Lanterns is the Black Lanterns they take over the bodies of those that have passed away, and it's important to mention that it is just the bodies, uh, which is discovered by Dead Man. He his body ended up being possessed by the Black Lantern ring, but he wasn't, and so he was like, "Oh, okay, so it's just the body; it's not the whole soul." 
So that's one thing the Flash does is he starts running all over the world saying, hey, don't worry about beating up these people because it's, it's not it's really not them. The people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just their bodies. So and and actually that was one of Black Hand's like plans from the very beginning was there were certain people that were allowed to die so that he could reanimate or, them. Yeah, reanimate them, yeah. So it's it's a pretty pretty gruesome story. Yeah, so you've got basically these superpowered zombies all over the place including and they, Superman they really, and They really look like it too. They're drawn very well but very grotesquely. Yes. Con L, uh, Superboy. There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot that goes on in this story. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy read. I tried to blow through it and couldn't. Like I've read it before multiple times, and I still couldn't like ease my way through it. I guess it's worth mentioning how they should we mention how they stop them. I think so. I think that's important to know that the good guys win, the bad guys lose. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let you do that then. Dang it! I was hoping you would do it. Well, you're probably better at explaining <laughs> it to, than I am. I don't. See, that's the thing. It's it's so I I read both the Green Lantern centric and the main books. So, like I feel like I'm pulling from from both sets of knowledge. But eventually what they do is they create a white lantern and it's just kind of like, "Whoa, what is this? What happens here?" And then freaking Sinestro gets it. And it's just like, "Come on now." And then like honestly, I don't I'm struggling to remember what happens after. I know Necron like slices him full up in half. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's not what you want. But because he's wearing the white lantern ring, it just like, like gloops him back together. Well, they, they <laughs> realize really a... that if black lanterns, basically the absence of light, the absence of life. So they figure, oh, well, if we combine everything then light is the source of life and so that's how they came up with the white lantern and then they use that to defeat necron yeah because then there's just a whole bunch of a lot of the black lanterns turn into white lanterns and that's how they that's the gimmick they use to bring all these people back from the dead exactly so that's why we comic books (laughs) 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 yeah that's why we get all these uh characters back is because of that in the end, it was all just a big story just to bring back the our beloved dead heroes in a creative way. Yeah, which I mean, they were gonna they were gonna be brought back anyway, one way or another. And I think this was a really really interesting way to do that. I agree. It was good. So now I think, without further ado, let's get into our cast. Let's do that. Um, I, I don't know where to start, so I'll I'll let you kick it off, and then I'll just follow your lead. Okay, so the first cast that came, the past first casting that came to me was almost immediate. He's not the most known actor. I, it's for Black Hand. Okay. To set the stage. That's so my funny. Black That's the Hand, first one I did too. My Black Hand actor is Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley. He's the weird neighbor kid from American... Oh, what was that movie? That movie with Kevin Spacey in the 90s. I almost said American Pie. It's not American Pie. American Beauty. Golly, those are so different movies. <laughs> he's the weird neighbor kid from American Beauty. Huh. And he's also the uh, the Hunger Games designer from the first movie. You know how he had that really weird beard? 
Oh, yeah. He's that guy. He's got, like, a really strong glare, but kind of, like, he looks evil. Huh. And I feel like that's the type of personality you want behind Black Hand. Interesting. Okay. I could see that. I went a different route because of... um, You went with Tom Hanks. (laughs) That would be hilarious. Well, Black Hand, when you're reading it, Black Hand has, like, a... Like, he almost thinks that he's funny. Like, the way that he talks, you know, he kind of has that... He's very arrogant. Yeah. Um, And so, I put Joaquin Phoenix. Huh. That's a good shout. I didn't didn't think about him at all. And then, we actually have a... We have a listener of the show. He probably would not like me to say his name. Yeah. Just to be on the safe side. Oh, let's see. He said... And I liked his pick, too. But he said Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, personality-wise, I think is a great fit. But I worry he would not have the physical stature to pull off this role. Because Black Hand, I mean, he's a comic book character, right? So he is jacked. Yeah, he was. physically fairly imposing. But at the same time, he is also, like... Crazy. Dead. So he doesn't necessarily have to be muscular stature you know yeah but at the same time i mean if you saw the rock coming at you or if you saw shia labeouf coming at you who is more frightening personality no just like (laughs) solely solely on silhouette uh well definitely the rock yeah yeah well up next what i have next is ray palmer okay and ray palmer i've got idris elba interesting I do, I do enjoy Idris Elba. And the reason why I went with that is because I thought that Adam is somebody who is very intelligent, you know, and has like a professor look to him. But at the same time, he's also a superhero. Mm-hmm. So I thought he could do both because he's played both. My, my casting for Ray Palmer is a little bit selfish um, because I enjoy this actor in the role for which he is most known, and I want him to be in more things. So my actor that I chose for Ray Palmer is Kit Harrington. Uh yeah, I could see that. Because I love the Jon Snow character, and I want to, to challenge him out of that niche, bring him into this, and then give him basically DC Ant-Man and say, roll with it. But I also don't really know that character. And if you do know that character and you think that casting is terrible, let me know. I would love to hear a shout out of yeah. somebody just ripping you to shreds. I would love that. <laughs> Someone who's like, I've read every issue of The Atom. And let me tell you, this person would be better. Please, please let, let me know. I have no idea. What do you got next? Who do I have next? I have Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan. And this is this is really bittersweet for me, um, because we all, it's a known fact, we all know the Green Lantern movie is not good. I think Ryan Reynolds, at the time, was a great, great cast for Hal Jordan, because he's, you know, he's got the charm and the looks, but he's also cocky and arrogant, and at the time, that was the vibe Ryan Reynolds had. So I really, I did want to pick Ryan Reynolds again, but I was like he's already like publicly demeaned the role. I feel like that would undermine the credibility of the film. So I'm, I'm double dipping with a different DC actor. I picked Chris Pine. 
Oh, okay. Because you need someone who can command the screen, but also work in an ensemble. Yeah, that would be an interesting twist, too, considering that he's already played somebody else in the DC. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that would be really cool. I could see that. Uh, The guy I picked is actually somebody who's already been involved with Marvel, but Bradley Cooper. Okay, yeah, same same reason. Can command the screen, but works in an ensemble. Right. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, we both had good picks for that one. Yeah, I think I think yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Next up, I've got the Flash, Barry Allen. Okay. Uh, and and for this one, I went. I just went with Grant Gustin because personally, I feel like he's done a really good job of playing the Flash on TV. So I would love to see that Flash move over to the big screen. I'm I'm perfectly content with that. I went with uh, I went with Joseph Gordon-Levitt Ooh. just because I feel like he has the personality to fit the Barry yeah. Allen Flash from this plot. Oh, he could totally do that. Yeah. Huh. I never would have thought of him. What do you got next? All right. Next, I have Carol Ferris, the one of the Earth-based star sapphires. Yes. I had trouble with this one. This one it it's not one that I have the most confidence in. But the actress that I picked, I know, is very talented, and I want to I want her to redeem her previous comic book performance. So I picked Kate Mara, previously the Invisible Woman from Fan Four Stick. I could maybe, I could maybe see that. Yeah, I don't know. I just I can't get that out of my head with her being Invisible Woman. See, we thought that about Chris Evans too. We thought that about Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, good point. So, where there's a will, there's a way. And I want to give her every opportunity to redeem that movie. Well, where there's a will, there's a Green Lantern. So, hey, that's hey. what I'm talking about. I had trouble with this one because I couldn't think of... I don't know the character all that well, so I didn't know about personality kind of stuff. So, I went purely on looks, Googling actresses with... Because one thing that stands out with her is how dark her hair is and how long it is too so i literally googled long dark haired actresses and one that i thought not only her hair but her facial structure too looked like the character in the comics was ashley green most people would not remember but she was in uh twilight and some other crappy movies but anyway, <laughs> she facially and hair, she looks just like her. And I thought, okay. yeah, that'd be a good fit. I, can't I have no idea, have no idea what her acting about. is like. So yeah, I can't, I can't help you out there. But anyway. Yeah. All right. So who do you have up next? Up next, let's do a fun one. Let's do um, St. Walker. Okay. The, the main blue lantern character. Yes, the, the main blue lantern. I put down... Anthony Daniels. Oh, that's good. That's good. Thank known you. for his voice work. Uh, I put down someone who is also known to comic book movies, but I'm going to give this a, the preface of I want full accent, full native accent of James McAvoy. Okay, yes. 100%. Yeah. I can see that. He so rarely gets the opportunity to act with his accent because he's either an American character or a British character. No. Let's let's get it. And that he's one as far as like which I mean that character is not known for his size. He's an alien. In fact, he 
if I remember right in the comics, he's rather skinny, but I was going to use the word lithe, which is just a really polite word for skinny. Cause, Cause he could even like skinny, but strong. Well, he could play that character physically too. Mm-hmm. Anthony Daniels, on the other hand, I don't know if he could play it he physically. Would, he would not be able to mocap the character. No. Okay. What do you got next? Next, I have Atrocitus. Oh, see, you know what? Nope. I got a good one for this. Okay. So Atrocitus is the the main Red Lantern character. He would also be CGI mocap uh, or motion capture. I yeah, I just throw that around a lot. Um, so for me, Atrocitus, think of somebody who could act real mad really well, Tom Hardy. Uh, see, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Of course, he already does Venom. Yeah, so he acts real mad real well. And uh, does he do the motion cap for Venom? Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either way. He probably does. some of those stunts are rough. I know it's his voice, and they just alter it, but... Um, well, I went with, you're going to love this. I went with Terry Crews. Oh, see, I can't, I, I can't see him being that mad that consistently. Well, I think that he would do really well with it only because he's such a screamer, you know, like he, he's so good at yelling and that character in particular, like, I feel like that's all he does is scream and yell. Do you remember the Brooklyn Nine-Nine cold open when he gets put in the police lineup? And he starts yelling about like I'm gonna miss the farmer's market, and yeah. it's like you're you're yelling about things I wouldn't expect you to be upset about. <laughs> oh, that's one of the things I love about his Brooklyn Nine Nine character. And but he's such a loving, like kind guy, so it would yeah. be weird to see him play that. But I think he could do it. I think he could pull it off. I almost put um, just for stature alone. I almost put Terry Crews for Atrocitus, and then I didn't. So who have you got next? I went I went first on that one. See, I'm I, I really don't uh let's see, what about um Indigo One? Indigo One, yes. That's that's as far as I know, that's the actual character name. Is that her only name? As far as I know. Oh, okay. Well Indigo One. Who who would Okay. So the Indigo One is the main obviously Indigo for compassion, the the representative of that core. And she's fairly emotionless, fairly deadpan. She mainly channels other emotions. So I went with Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> oh my gosh. Think about someone who could deadpan anything. Yep, definitely. <laughs> okay, I like that. I went with Angelina Jolie. Also, theoretically, someone who can deadpan anything, but just not as well. Yeah, definitely not as well, but... Not as comedically, I'll say that. Yeah. All right. So next up is one that I actually had a lot of fun with. It is a uh, Larflees. Okay. Who would again be a digital character. Larflees is the the Orange Lantern, I guess you would say, before mm-hmm. Lex. Um yep. so for Larflees's voice, I went with Nicolas Cage. Oh my gosh, that is perfect. <laughs> that is excellent. Why didn't I think of that? That is amazing. Yep, you win that one. Hands down, that is perfect. I Oh my goodness. I think of... Did you ever watch Community? Mm-mm. Meg okay. actually is watching it downstairs right now, I'm pretty sure. I, I love Community, but there is an episode where Abed um, 
he he takes a class on Nicolas Cage. The teacher keeps warning everybody. He's like, okay, you're going to start studying Nicolas Cage, but I'm going to warn you, don't go full Nicolas Cage. Never go full Cage. And then Abed ends up going full Cage and no. starts acting like him and like gets up on the desk and is like, I'm a cat. I'm a cat. And like just all this like random stuff sounds just like him, which the guy, I can't remember his name, who plays Abed. But uh, um, Danny Putti, I think. Yes. And he um, he is excellent at, at impersonating uh, celebrities. And so he he does a really good Nicolas Cage, and it was fantastic. But yes, 100%, that would be an excellent choice. That's much better than mine. I just put Andy Serkis, only because I know he could probably do an awesome His, voice for him. Yeah, based on reputation, he's yeah. the guy. But yes, I like yours so much better. That is fantastic. Right. Who, have you, <laughs> who have you got next? Um, well, you know, a lot of mine I actually just took from the movies that they already have, you know, because I like the actors that are currently playing some of these characters. For example, okay. Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Cyborg, Aquaman, like all of those characters. I kind of just, I just stuck with whoever's already playing them. Okay. I think I, I think I did that for most of them. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I recast the only one I recast. Well, no, was, I did. I did recast a few, but the only one I recast was Flash. Now, Martian Manhunter is in this as well, very briefly. He doesn't play a very big role. He plays but, an integral role, though. He's the first Black Lantern that Hal and Barry encounter. That's right. But as far as Martian Manhunter, somebody I would like to see play the role. I liked him in Smallville. Was Phil Morris? Okay. But I would love to see him come back as um, Martian Manhunter. See, this is where I actually did pick Terry Crews. For Martian Manhunter? I did. Oh, interesting. So you still have that physical imposing stature. Yeah. But you also have that, you know, the, the cerebral nature, the compassion that John Jones would typically have kind of spun on its head. And that would be the depth of the role, is inverting Martian Manhunter. The only thing about Terry Crews playing that role is... I don't know if I've ever seen him play calm. And Martian Manhunter is so, like... Stoic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he could do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's got that acting range. I'm sure it's in there somewhere, but... you go or, is next. It, or is this me? This is me. Okay. Scarecrow. Okay, Scarecrow. I actually went with the Scarecrow that I did for Long Halloween, Long Halloween which was Hugh Laurie. Okay, this one I, I this is definitely out of left field, but he's also a a I, I suppose he's still technically a current DC actor. Uh, I went with Pete Davidson. Oh, okay, because he's got some crazy to him, but he he's not like he's not like full crazy, so he could kind of like channel that into Scarecrow. Yeah, I don't know. He almost seems more of like a Joker to me. I don't think he's crazy enough to be Joker, or at least not the right crazy. He's like, you genuinely worry about him crazy. <laughs> Whereas like, Joaquin Phoenix is just like, oh man, no, that dude's just weird. Like the the common story is the scene in Joker when he crawls into the refrigerator, completely unscripted. Like he's just weird. Anyway, 
All right. So, what about uh, Lex Luthor? Lex Luthor. Uh, I. <laughs> so you said for Carol Ferris, you searched for a dark, long-haired actress. For Lex Luthor, I searched bald actor. <laughs> <laughs> And I got a lot of, like, Bruce Willis or, like, Jason Statham. And I was like, those those are not helpful suggestions. Um, but ultimately, I couldn't actually decide this one. So I'm thinking either bald Matt Damon, bald Michael Fassbender. Because uh. Fass, Fassbend, Fassbender, I know, can channel the intensity that Lex Luthor would need. Yeah. But bald Matt Damon is just kind of crazy. So one thing that I love is um superman the animated series and the lex luther in that series i thought was really good he was a large man uh very broad shoulders and bald but then another distinct feature about him was that he had a darker complexion i went with dwayne johnson interesting i think that physically he fits that idea that i have in my head i just think he would be a really good lex luther i would i would almost worry about him being too big in that sense like when you think lex luther you don't think like the rock so i think i think someone who i, I will give an honorable mention to is uh michael rosenbaum okay who was lex luther in smallville weirdly enough also the voice also the voice of the flash in yes the justice league show from when we were kids that was a really weird once I realized that, I, I yeah. had a small crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he um, he was a really good Lex Luthor. You're right. Yeah, I would love to see him come back as Lex Luthor. That'd be great. I, I don't think it would ever happen. I he thought he good. said he, he was open to it. Did he? I thought he did. Maybe I'm I, making that I up. Know. I don't know. I... All right, who are, we, who are we up to next? Firestorm. I didn't. I, I didn't deem Firestorm important enough to cast in my movie. Oh, okay. We can skip Firestorm. Um, I will just go TV Firestorm, Robbie ML. Okay, that's what I have down. Okay. All right, this should be simple then. <laughs> what about Green Arrow? Green Arrow, I also didn't I also didn't cast. I'm perfectly fine with Stephen ML. I really, okay, really enjoyed too. him as Green Arrow. <laughs> me too. All right, now who did you do for um, Necron? Necron. Again, voice only. Uh, I was inspired by the greatest voice acting villain performance of our time. Not of not of our time, of all time. James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. I was inspired by. I didn't pick James Earl Jones. It's too on the nose. Right. I picked Andre Brower. Andre Brower. Captain Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Okay. He's got the voice to do it, but he's also not like an iconic voice in the sense of like a Dennis Haysbert. You don't want to watch this movie and the villain be like, oh, that's the Allstate guy. You don't want that because you're not in good hands. So you got to you gotta pick somebody with that same oomph. I think, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, that'd be a good fit. Um, I actually, I put James Earl Jones <laughs> just because I was like, hey, that would be... I mean, you know, you think of fear, you yeah. know, you think of the most iconic villain, you know, that's what yeah. you think of is Darth I mean, we Vader. So we weren't same page, but we were definitely same book. All right. So, uh, next for me is, so I mentioned previously, um, there are a lot of castings in the Green Lantern movie that I loved. Um, one of them 
carries over, and that is Sinestro. Is oh, Sinestro, Mark Strong? Right? Mark Strong. So he's he's British, which is I when I read Sinestro, I hear British, um, because Sinestro is written to be very pretentious and condescending and elitist. And these are things that match up very well with Mark Strong's performance in the first Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Think about him as that villain. Just make him purple. Yeah. He's Sinestro. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I, I, I liked his casting. I really did. So I can, I can, I can, I can settle for that. Um, but I chose Luke Evans. Okay. Um, I think that he did a great job at being that, like, I don't know, just very, cunning very uh what's the word i'm looking for calculated yeah in yeah. uh dracula and oh, what's that other movie he was in the hobbit yes thank you <laughs> wait for real yeah oh i was just thinking of like the only other luke evans movie i could think of when he was barred in the hobbit yeah and then he was also in uh beauty and the beast oh yeah he was uh gaston so i think he would do a really good job I would agree with that. I can see it. Different oh. different aspects of the character emphasized there. All right, and then um I have I still have all of the other earthbound green lantern or earth-based green lanterns. So I can just do them 1 2 3 if you if you care to. Yeah, go ahead. So uh Kyle Rayner, the newest of the at the time four green lanterns. I went with uh Taryn Edgerton. From Kingsman and Rocketman. Guy Gardner. I went with KJ Appa. Or that guy who played Tormund in Game of Thrones. Uh, because they're the only red-haired actors I could think of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then Jon Stewart. One of the more beloved characters. Especially for people of, of our generation. I went with Michael B. Jordan. Really? You know he's got the the dramatic chops to pull it off. He's a he's a great, incredibly talented actor, and uh, it's not like he'll be in Marvel anytime soon. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I actually I didn't do any of the other Green yeah. Lanterns. I just focused on Hal Jordan. Yeah. No, I I, I figured that because like I like I said earlier, I also read the Green Lantern flip side of the same plot, so I got more in depth in in that side of it. Right. Huh. Well, very good. Wow. Yeah, I don't I don't know about your your last one there. I don't know who I would pick, but I don't know if I would pick uh Michael B. Jordan. It's not it's not so much that have... it is I wanted to pick Michael B. Jordan as much as it is the people that I thought would also be good would be better in other parts. Oh, okay. I can all right, I see. That being said, I do think he would knock it out of the park. And then, uh, did you recast Mira, or are you sticking with Amber Heard? I'm sticking with Amber Heard. That's a bold strategy, my friend. I know. There is a petition of over, I think it's over a million signatures to get her replaced. Really? Yeah, because of the the Johnny Depp uh, with Grindelwald and all of that mess. So I, I personally, in my movie, I caved to the protest, and I cast Amelia Clark. Ah, Amelia Clark, okay. And then... Um, for the guardians, all of the male guardians, I didn't, I didn't cast the female guardians cause I couldn't think of maybe like Julie Andrews just with that regal, but also British, like the, just so defined and refined. Um, but then for Ganthet and then I guess it would be 
kind of for the other male guardians as well. I went with Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley is, is a is a wonderful actor. You know who I think would be a really good guardian too is Martin Freeman. I don't know. <laughs> that was such I a just, heavy sigh. It's it's so hard for me to separate Martin Freeman from Bilbo and from Watson that it's like I can't see him being this eternal like it's it's not the perfect term but guardian of the galaxy you know what i mean like one of those eternal not all powerful but mostly powerful entities i could see him being scar the the guardian that turned evil just because Ooh. he would be different enough from a ben kingsley or from julie andrews yeah he could be a scar but he could still be their peer yeah, he could be a scar because we kind of got to see that evil version of him in Fargo. Did you ever see Fargo? I have seen neither the show nor the movie. Okay. Both are excellent. That's what I've heard. But I don't want to watch the show without having seen the movie. Hey, you don't have to watch the movie and... to understand the show. Oh, I, I know. It's just oh. it's a it's a personal thing. I don't want to have... Like, I don't want to watch the show without watching the movie. Just so the movie can establish the base from which I watch the show. Gotcha. Yeah. But, uh... I did not put any thought into who would direct my movie. I have no idea. Oh, I, di- I didn't either. I didn't even I think, think I'm about just that. Gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna throw money at Taika Waititi until he says yes. <laughs> either that or, uh, the Russo Brothers. I feel like Russo Brothers would be better because Taika Waititi, I don't think, would really want a plot this dark. Or this massive. I don't know if he could do that. Also, I honestly, I feel like with with a story this intricate, I think you would have to have multiple people working on the same film. You would almost need to have a a main line, like a main plot movie, but also like little mini series or like a one hour. While while this was happening, this went on over here, like. To try to keep everything straight because I mean I can't even what would what would we put this movie at conservatively like two and a half hours? Oof. I don't even think I can read this in two and a half hours. Yeah, and I fully don't know. I think it. I think it would have to be closer to three. Or I mean, a, a part one, part two. Could do that. And even even that I feel like is pretty bold because there's no like jumping off point for it. It's just hit the ground running oh look green lantern and the flash are getting attacked by an undead martian manhunter that's how the story starts this is exactly why a green lantern based show could actually work really well is because of how how many things are going on in the story like you could take an episode at a time to focus on each part that makes this longer story in my opinion yeah i also think it would be really fun to do it uh defenders style in which you give you give each of the lanterns their own series and you tie them together in an event not like this but like more like a sinestro core war or um one of those just more green lantern specific events as as it goes on you can establish more shows you could establish the flash 
or you could establish, you know, these are these um, characters who have died recently and this is what happened to them. Like, this is how they died. And then from there, you could jump off to Blackest Night. But I don't think, I don't think Blackest Night as a diving board works. No. Oh, no, definitely not. But it's stories like this that you see and you see all the moving parts that go with it and you realize, really, this is how green lantern the the comic series is it's just like this there's all these moving parts going on throughout the entire series and so when you see all that you're like okay yeah a green lantern show is something that's doable like it could carry itself it doesn't have to involve all these other superheroes because there's just so much that already goes with the green lanterns but yeah starting off with this one would be a lot to <laughs> yeah it would be it would be rough <laughs> be a lot to digest i'm looking to see where flashpoint happens in relation to blackest night like because if this stuff. was if this was 20 if it was 2009 2010 flashpoint is pretty soon after that which is going to happen with the new flash movie i don't know i feel like it had to have happened after brightest day which is the sequel event to blackest night which is not nearly as good, by the way. Like, you want it to be good, and it's just not. I've never read it. Always first, wanted to. It's three volumes, which is ambitious. Um, but even after that, there are still the the spinoff events, and kind of like how I read the Green Lantern focus of Blackest Night, there are other focuses of Brightest Day. And they're just not as compelling, in my opinion. I see. Uh, May 2011, so I feel like Brightest Day backs up into Flashpoint. I don't know how directly or if they if they don't really happen that way, but I'm getting progressively more excited for the Flash movie because the Flashpoint plot is so good. It is. That might be our next review, comic Ooh. review anyway. Oh, comic review. I thought you were going to do a Dreamcast. I was like, Jay, we just established how hard it is to cast a universe-wide event. <laughs> I do a comparison to the movie and comic and the animated movie. Or are you thinking the animated movie? Animated movie. Okay. I was like, I mean, we could hold out for the live action, but I mean, no <laughs> one knows at this point when or if that's going to come out. Yeah. No, we won't wait that long. We'll be old farts by then. Speak for yourself. I will be a, a young fart. Sorry, there could be people with a delicate sensibilities listening. I will be a, a young toot. <laughs> it's late. Not really, but it is when you if, have a baby. If, well, and even, I mean, I, I don't, uh, but it feels later than it is. Yeah, it's because it's been dark since 2 o'clock. A.M. It just never got light. <laughs> feels that way. Sometimes it does, yeah. Anybody who listens to us in Alaska is like, dude, shut up. Well, depending on time of year, because I remember um, this would have been probably a decade ago. My family was, uh, we were staying with some people just north of Calgary, and we were outside. It was like 10 o'clock at night. Sun was just beginning to set. Yeah, so we were outside. We were, we were having s'mores. It's the best s'more I've ever had in my life. I remember it vividly. It was cinnamon graham crackers, marshmallow, obviously, and uh, Hershey's cookies and cream bar. Ooh. And it was a game changer for s'mores. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it is weird. We're really getting off topic. We'll jump, bring, bring this, bring this back. 
we're almost done. Um, well, I guess we could rate it, um, but I don't really know if it's doable. Mm. Without without giving a full review and synopsis, I don't know how we can rate it. I think we can recommend it, and I think it's fair to say we both absolutely do. But again, with the caveat of it's a really dark story. It is <laughs> like it's the a- the black the black hand origin in this not fun. Like even even compared to other super villain origins, it's not great. No, so just something to prepare yourself for if or when you decide to read this. Which you should, and then you can tell us how terrible our castings are. And we would like to hear your castings. Um, if you agree or disagree with us, uh, ho- hopefully you've listened all the way to the end. You may have, we may have lost you a long time ago. But if you you've made it this far, off. <laughs> <laughs> if you've made it this far, congratulations. There are no prizes, but uh, we do appreciate you sticking through with it but uh we love this kind of stuff and and it's something we enjoy so um go find your nearest uh comic book store and check them out and uh check out this comic series blackest night jeff johns great writing good story um great artwork who who was the who was the art for this i think i still have that pull no i closed that tab why did i do that jay why did oh, i do that no I don't have mine on me, so I can't tell you. Uh, penciled by Ivan Reese. Yeah. He he worked with Jeff Johns a lot on Green Lantern and Aquaman. So, yeah. Good. Good art. But um, if you would like to... I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up since this was a long one. Uh, oh but gosh. if you would like to reach out to us, you can reach us on Facebook, facebook.com slash they didn't ask us. Uh, you can send us a message on there. If you would rather send us an email with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, or uh, if you think that we're wrong and anything that we said, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, they didn't ask us at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message on our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash they didn't ask us. That is a way that you can hear your voice on the podcast. We will uh, play your message if you have something worthy of being said. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll answer your questions. Oh, man. Um, But uh, we, we really would love to hear from you. You could always send us an MP3, MP4. Uh, audio file through email as well i know uh there's been a few people that have said that the anchor page doesn't work exactly right i'm sorry i don't control that that's just something that we use and then if you want to follow us on instagram we can you can search for us at they didn't ask us if you would like to follow me personally on my page i've got a few things out there that i'm posting every now and then you can follow me at the nerd is underscore in on instagram i'm also on twitter but i never post on there so i wouldn't worry about that and then for me uh, my personal stuff you can find me on uh, twitter and twitch um, with the handle jmuller8332 i'm looking to get a more consistent schedule for Twitch, which is a big a big deal for discoverability. So, if you're interested in that, uh, peek peek the Twitter. See uh, when I when I announce what that's going to end up being. It does typically change depending on what else is going on in my life because it's you know not 
the most important thing in my life. For us at They Didn't Ask Us, we hope that you have had a great holiday weekend. And for those of you listening to us drastically in the future, we hope that you're just having a great day. You know, Thanksgiving, whatever holiday season we're in, where you are, thanks for listening to us. We appreciate you. But until we meet again, which will just be in one week, uh, you'll be able to hear us again reviewing more random stuff and hearing more nerdy opinions. But until then, nerd out. Thank you for listening to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, we would love to hear from you. You can reach the show by email at they didn't ask us at gmail.com. Whether you just discovered our podcast or have been a longtime listener, if you enjoy what we are doing, please take a moment after the show, give us a review, and also give us a rating. Tune in next time to hear more random nerdy thoughts and opinions from your new favorite podcast.